Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and work. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Mutuality Matters podcast from Christians for Biblical Equality. Alongside my friend and ministry colleague, Rob Dixon, I am Lila Van Gerpen. Can women and men work alongside one another in healthy ministry partnerships? Our answer is heck yes. And on this podcast, we interview practitioners exploring stories about what flourishing mixed gender ministry partnerships look like in the field. This week, our guest is Sarah Cowan Johnson. Sarah is a ministry trainer, consultant, and coach who works with church planters, pastors, and ministry leaders across the United States. She leads seminars for parents on family discipleship to help their children walk in the way of Jesus. She served with the Evangelical Covenant Church as the executive pastor for Sanctuary Church in Providence, Rhode Island, and previously was a staff trainer and an area director for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. She is the co-host of The People of the Way, podcast. And she and her husband have two sons and live in Providence. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. It's so fun so to be to, here. So Love what you guys you. are doing. Oh, thank you. Maybe a little bit intimidating to have a podcast host as a guest. <laughs> <laughs> our <laughs> podcast, our podcast is very down home. It's me and my dad. Um, and so please do not be intimidated. <laughs> Love it. Put it in the show notes. Yeah, that's great. Um, Sarah, I'll start with a question that we ask all of our guests. It's like the icebreaker question to get to know yep. you a bit. Um, so what's a mixed gender partnership that you appreciate from literature, movies, pop culture, wherever, and why do you appreciate it? Yeah. So, you know, I knew this question was coming and um, honestly, what struck me about this question was how difficult it was to think of one. Um, and I even, I had friends over this, this week and I was asking them like, guys, help me. I can't, I can't even think of a mixed gender partnership that, especially one that maybe was sort of um, in a working context. Um, so I did think of one um, and you might laugh at me about it, but um, I don't know if you guys ever watched the X-Files. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I was like an a religious X-Files watcher <laughs> back in high school. Every Sunday night, I watched the X-Files. So, so one thing that I think is hard to find in a partnership is one that doesn't become like romantically entangled. And so this one is not an exception to that rule, to be honest. But if you go back to the very beginning, like season one, Agent Mulder and Agent Scully, I think are a great mixed gender partnership. So for those who are unfamiliar, um, they are FBI agents and Agent Mulder is in charge of the X-Files, which basically investigates these paranormal, unexplained phenomenon. And um, he really is a believer. Um, he really believes that his sister was abducted by aliens. And so he gets assigned Agent Scully as a partner who, and she's a scientist. She is, um, yeah, she's pressing him to be data-driven and show me the evidence. And she's a skeptic. She doesn't think aliens exist. Um, and so they end up being partners and they kind of travel all over investigating these unexplained phenomenon. Um, so the thing that I like about them um, is basically the way they're very, very different, right? He's the believer, he's the dreamer, she's the skeptic, she's the scientist. 
but together they actually kind of end up rubbing off on each other. Um, she makes, you know, kind of keeps him honest and helps him to be empirical and to kind of bring the evidence and the data. And then he kind of opens her eyes to a whole world that's kind of beyond her five senses. And so together they actually make a pretty phenomenal team. Yeah. So. Wow, I, I, I don't think anyone said the X Files. Yet. <laughs> no, so I love I it. Know. It's kind of out there. It's so good, yeah. yeah. But um, I actually have recently started rewatching it because now it's on Prime for yeah. free. So I, I'm, you know, I'm in season nice. one. Right now, so. Man, we watched. Yeah. my wife and I watched all of them. <laughs> yeah, so have to go back and pick them up again. It's so good. Yeah. All right, that's a great one. Building. All right, good deal. But it's hard, right? There's not that many. I know, especially like co-power, you know, like there's a lot where there's men and women, but just equal partnership. Yeah, totally. No, that's a great example of in in synthesis around how they use their gifts differently. Love it. Well, let's talk about, um, let's start by having you tell us some stories. So of all the mixed gender ministry partnerships you've had during your time in ministry, is there one that just stands out to you as especially fun or life-giving and why? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was on InterVarsity staff for 13 years. Um, that was my first job out of college. That was my kind of ministry, um, you know, where I sort of got my ministry training and, um, 11 of those 13 years, I was married to my husband, Greg, who's also on staff with InterVarsity. We met through InterVarsity. And the last five years of my time there, Greg and I co-led the Rhode Island and Southeast Mast area team as co-directors. And that um, like five-year period there where we shared that role um, was probably one of my, I mean, it, it was one of my favorite seasons in ministry, um, fruitfulness, joy. Um, I loved that season of ministry and, you know, not everybody can work well and partner well with their spouse. Um, but for Greg and me, we, um, we really did. And we don't work together anymore directly. Um, but for that particular season, it was so good for both of us. Um, and I, I, think it was good for those that we led and worked with. Um, but yeah, it was wonderful. So now I'm trying to think, uh, would Greg be the Mulder, uh, equivalent? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And that is one of the reasons, um, you know, we had enough, um, in common where we are both very apostolic. We both love the phrase that we kind of use, seeing God's dreams come to life on the earth. Like we just love that. And so we love leading teams. So there's nothing overlap where we're not like um, coming into conflict all the time, but we had very complementary and different gifts. And yes, Greg is much more the dreamer, the big picture person. Um, and I'm much more the the person who's going to get us from point A to point B. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty common um, split when you look at good partnerships as you tend to have mm-hmm. both of those um, people. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So good. Well, maybe not specifically the relationship, the partnership with Greg, but just mm-hmm. Kenny, we can broaden it out a little bit, Sarah. I mean, talk about the challenges. So as you navigated, you know, mixed gender partnership in the context of ministry, what did you keep coming up? What were the roadblocks that kept coming up for you and your teams? Yeah. So I, for this one, I, I will talk about a different partnership. So um, after I left staff, I went on staff at my church. I was the executive pastor of Sanctuary Church in Providence. And this was the church plant. Um, and I came in at year four to kind of help them 
mature as an organization. And so my role is to develop people and systems. And we planted two other congregations while I was there. So it was kind of like a build the tracks while the train is moving kind of role. And I loved it. Um, And so I worked in very close partnership with the founding pastor and lead pastor, um, Andrew Mook. And so in a way I was kind of like the number two um, to his kind of lead role. And so um, first kind of different. So coming from InterVarsity, um, I was never the only woman in the room ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, every level of leadership in InterVarsity, there are women. And in every space that I led in regionally or even nationally, I was never the only woman. And then coming into church ministry as a woman pastor, and then in, you know, even in an egalitarian denomination, um, but I was also in church planting, which is historically one of the more kind of male corners of the church. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I'm like pretty much always the only woman in the room. And so the challenge um, that I'd love to kind of explore and talk about with you is one that didn't actually come from within our partnership, but actually was external to it. And I'll illustrate it with a little story. Um, so my very first covenant event, I'm coming off in varsity staff, join the church staff, and I had to go out to this church planter training and national training for church planters with Andrew, the lead pastor. And so we like arranged our transportation and sent the receipt for reimbursement. And the day before the event, I'm coordinating with the administrator, like, how do we get from the airport to the hotel? Like, can you give me some logistics? And she said, she wrote back and she was like, well, I see you're traveling with your husband. And I was like, um, no, that's my colleague. Now we don't, we don't have the same last name. Um, but anyway, so I'm like, no, that's, that's my colleague. But anyway, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. And so we get to the hotel. And I check in and get my room. And then Andrew goes to check in and Andrew doesn't have a room um, because I'm pretty sure the same, the person who assumed we were traveling, we were married, you know, assumed we'd be sharing a room. So gets that squared away. He gets his own room and then we turn around from the desk. So we're literally just went through that. And Andrew's friend, who's a church planter walks and he's like, Hey, it's so good to see you. And then he turns to me and he said, Oh my gosh, you must be Andrew's wife. I have been waiting to meet you. And that was like, yeah, three, three times right off yeah. the bat. And that kind of um, set the stage for literally what happened to us over and over and over wow. and over. Um, and that was kind of, yeah, I don't think I ever attended a covenant event uh, with him where someone didn't assume or ask a version of, are you married? Um, and one time, another just funny one, I, we were heading into a reception um, where they had, they gave us name tags and they were filling out the name tags. And the woman who was a covenant pastor sitting down, filling out name tags, handed his Andrew Mook. And then she wrote mine out and handed it to me, Sarah Mook. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. So um, anyway, I think what I yeah. sort of, what we can kind of put a label on this, I think what this illustrates is what I would call unconscious bias, right? It's like, this assumption looking at me that I'm not a pastor in this space. And I never experienced that in InterVarsity, um, even though I, I was married to my partner then, but any time that I had a mixed gender partnership in InterVarsity, no one ever assumed that I was married to that person because you know most of the women in an InterVarsity room are staff and leaders, but in church planting, the vast majority of women in the room are spouses or support staff. Um, and so, you know, that first training, yeah, there were several women there, but um, only two of us in the room were pastors. So what's the impact of that 
implicit bias on you when this is happening over and over and over? What does that do to you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So there, the impact on me was I, in intervarsity, I felt like a confident leader. So I just, I felt confident most times. Um, and coming into the church world, I suddenly was like kind of overwhelmed by how insecure mm. and kind of a lack of confidence. And I think some of that might've been, I was in my mid thirties. I think there's something that also happens in midlife. I think there's a lot going on, but I also think that some of it was that sense of constantly having the question called as to like, yeah. why are you here? What is your what explain yourself like yeah. constantly being so the the way that I would describe it is I don't know if you guys um are familiar with the Plinko game it's like from um like price the price is right, is right, yeah, right? Price is right. right? you yeah, like yeah, yeah. they put the little thing in the top and it kind of slots down and like what categories are going to fall into and I felt like every time someone encountered me it was like a Plinko game like what category does this person go mm. in oh the one with the least resistance is spouse and, you know, I think this is not exclusive to men and women in partnership. I think this happens to women leaders in male spaces mm -hmm. all the time. And so there were other examples where this happened um, with men that I wasn't partnered with. Um, it happened two weeks ago. I'm sitting next to a colleague at dinner. Somebody asked if we were married. Um, so this is just a, a thing that happens. Um, but I think the experience of constantly having the sense that people don't assume that I am a leader or I belong in this room in my own right, but, you know, via my connection to some other man is confidence undermining. Uh, yeah. Sarah, can I ask one more quick follow-up? Yeah. I'm curious, what, did you and Andrew develop any sort of like script for what you would say? Mm -hmm. So yeah. You want to hear that? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so the one thing was Andrew would, I mean, quickly learn to preempt those introduction moments by introducing me as this is our executive pastor, Sarah Cowan Johnson. So he would, um, and he still does that. Honestly, I'm not on staff at the church anymore, but he'll introduce me and include my former role. Like Sarah yeah. was on staff at our church and now she's doing X, Y, and Z, but he used, he learned to use my role and title in introductions, um, as a way to immediately clarify, uh, our connection. Um, the other thing we talked about was, so another thing that we got a lot when people that would, you know, the follow-up, like, no, actually this is our executive pastor. The second thing we got so often was, and people just thought they were so unique and funny, but they would say, oh, so she keeps you in line. Uh, and both, we talked a lot about that one. Like what? I don't think his male executive pastor would get that line. Um, right. it's, it's funny in quotes air quotes, not, it wasn't funny to me, but, uh, the same way, uh, kind of like she wears the pants in the relationship is quote unquote funny. And so we talked a lot about what, how should we flip that? So Andrew, we never got to like experiment with it, but, um, one thought was what if he just said, no, actually I keep her in line. Like, how would that, <laughs> that would be really awkward, but like, what would that, or, um, just that deadpan, like, what do you mean? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of, we talked about like, how do we sort of undercut yeah. that? Um, wow. yeah. yeah, man, those are some real life challenges. And, um, maybe we can talk a little bit about, have you shared just a little bit of the benefits? So yeah. what are some of the benefits as you think about, um, 
ministry partnership? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think a mixed gender team um, provides a more complete imaging of God in leadership. Um, So Tish Harrison Warren has spoken and written very beautifully about the need for both church fathers and church mothers. And she has this essay, um, and I was trying to search for it the other day. I actually couldn't find it, but um, she has an essay called Call Me Mother Mm -hmm. um, about her role as a woman priest serving in a mixed gender parish team. And it was so, it's an exquisitely beautiful piece. Mm -hmm. And it was so encouraging to me as I was beginning my pastoral journey, but just that sense that, um, yeah, we embody our call differently. We image God more fully when we have a, a full picture of, um, yeah, of men and women leading alongside each other. Um, and I, I also think that mixed gender teams that work well, they can be like so fun and fruitful. Um, I mean, working with Andrew was incredibly fun and incredibly yeah. fruitful. And one of yeah the highlights of my ministry career, um, I think it can even be healing um, for women who've been harmed or diminished by men in other leadership spaces mm-hmm. to work with a man who um, can partner well with you. Yeah. And I think it can be healing and restorative in a way that leading alone, it, it can do yeah. something different than just leading alone. Um, and then, yeah, the last thing I would say is I think there are plenty of people, um, but especially women who actually don't want to lead alone, who don't, who kind of sort of feel a little allergic to that solo pastor kind of role. Um, And so I think making space for mixed gender partnerships um, actually can be incredibly empowering and open doors for, again, especially women, but I think there are men in that category too, um, who might otherwise not want to be a lead pastor, but would definitely be a Um, co-lead. And so I think, um, those partnerships also just, yeah, they unlock the imagination of the congregation. And so I will never forget. And again, this wouldn't, this could have been true if I was just a solo pastor, but um, I'll never forget when I was at Sanctuary, um, I got a text from a Sanctuary dad with a picture of his girl and she was like six or seven dressed up. And he said, it's career day at school. And so Amelia tried to pick out her best pastor Sarah outfit. And I'm like, crying you know because that yeah and I I grew up in an egalitarian denomination I knew women pastors but I was 35 years old the first time that I attended a service that was led by a woman and I just think oh this little girl yep it's different for her and I love that normal for her it's normalized Mm -hmm. I love that praise God wow that's cool do you you keep that picture somewhere Sarah oh yeah (laughs) that's in that's Mm -hmm. in the you know, that's in the the vault of yep, yep. Oh, the Lord is so faithful. Yeah. 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 So, so you've given us some of the, a picture of the, uh, the challenges, the benefits. Um, if you could like bullet point it for us, like a list of some of the key success factors that need to be in place for healthy partnerships between women and men, what would you say? What would you give, give us like your top couple, three, four, whatever kind of list? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually was trying to use some of your language from your book because I love it. Um, But I would say uh, abundant communication. Absolutely. So obviously with Greg, my husband, I had abundant communication. Um, Too much. Probably, possibly. We had to put some boundaries on when we talk about work. But 
Um, but you know, um, I think when I was partnering with Andrew, it was harder at first to be vulnerable. Um, I think I always am wrestling with, I want to be the kind of woman who can hang and isn't a problem or isn't, um, weak or whatever it is. I have my own things. Right. Um, and I think also, like I was sharing with that example of why did I care so much that he didn't put past her? I wasn't even self-aware at that moment, why that felt important to me. And so in the beginning, I think that was harder for me, but the more that I grew in my self-awareness, the more that I came to trust Andrew, I think it was, um, learning to talk about those things. So I'll never forget this train ride. I was with Andrew and then another male colleague. And then we're talking about women in ministry. I can't remember what we were talking about. And at some point I'm like, but, but guys, can I just explain what this feels like in an egalitarian denomination to walk into a room, to be constantly questioned if I'm your wife, you know, or, to just see that all the leaders on the stage are male. Like, can I just explain how that feels? And like, I get that our denomination like values me, but, and it was a, it was just like a watershed conversation. Cause I think I was able to share, honestly, I trusted them. They listened well um, and it changed some of our shared language moving forward. Mm -hmm. So I think that that was just an example of like, oh, when I, when I feel safe enough to like talk about this, it actually, it really, um, yeah, it strengthens our partnership yeah. where I think there's times where I worry if I bring this up or I talk, about this, it's going to be a problem. Um, and the more that I have learned to trust and yeah, no, these, these men that I have worked with have been incredible partners, but part of it is they need to hear me yeah. talk about yeah. the challenges. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I would say, um, and this um, is, so you talk about like a public element to the partnership and modeling. So I think that that one, um, there's something about modeling partnership that is different from just modeling that we both lead um, independently from each other. So um, for example, with preaching, so I would preach occasionally at Sanctuary and um, I always really appreciated the opportunity to preach and not because I necessarily love preaching, but one of our coaches told me, I think you like preaching because it's a proxy for leadership. Like you like to lead. And so when you get the chance to preach, that's like, you like that. And I'm like, oh, that actually makes sense. Um, so I remember this one time when Andrew suggested that we team teach and my initial thought was like, oh, but that's like, that's like my time. Like, I want to, I want to teach by myself, you know? And, um, again, I'm sort of, a, yeah, I'm more of a alpha in there, right? Like I just like to lead. Um, but we ended up team teaching and I have to say like that the act of leading teaching side by side, the visual picture of that on our little stage side by side, the, um, the sound of our voices going back and forth actually for fruit in a way that us teaching independently um, does something, but that modeling, not just like, oh, you lead and then I lead, but we mm -hmm. lead together. Um, it was really powerful. And yeah, I had to, I had to sacrifice a little, so did he, you know, but um, it was really, I, it was a moment for me of like, oh, <laughs> this yeah. is actually really beautiful and powerful. So yeah, that is beautiful. But there's like a mutual, like, 
yeah, it wasn't just you kind of sacrificing. It just wasn't just him, but there's like mutuality that absolutely bears a different kind of fruit, you know? Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Trying to prep a, a sermon where you have to, you know, strong opinionated yeah. people, that's a challenge. Um, yeah. but no, I think the end product was really worth it. Um, yeah. yeah. Great. Let's turn the gears in a different, slightly different direction. So you have got a book coming out called Teach Your Children Well, a step-by-step guide for family discipleship. I, as a mom of two young boys, I'm really excited for this book coming out. So what have you learned about partnership in the context of the ministry of parenting? Yeah. Um, so let me just give you quickly sort of a, what my book is kind of about. So I was really motivated by um, these two different statistics. Um, so one that a lot of us are familiar with, um, that was kind of the Fuller Youth Institute really made sort of um, visible, but that 50% of high school students actively involved in their churches walk away from their faith after graduation. So that's like the bad news. Um, but then this other uh, statistics or the good news um, is that there's one thing that actually does make a really big difference in that statistic. And it's not church attendance or Sunday school involvement or youth group participation or any of those things, though those are all important and good. Um, it's the influence of parents. So parents are the number one predictor of a child's spirituality throughout their lifetime, including into adulthood. And the better news even than that, is that the single most significant parental behavior is very simple. It's talking about and practicing faith in the home. And so this book is basically to say, how, how do we help parents do that? So, um, so it's for parents, but also for church leaders. Um, I think at the time I was like, why are we putting all this emphasis on our Sunday morning programming? I was a pastor, you know, um, when it's really clear if we put energy behind equipping parents, actually that might tip the scales even more. Um, So what I have learned, um, yeah, parents, I think of every Christian parent as a ministry leader, right? And most parents don't think of themselves that way. And so it is so fun to talk to parents and say, you do not need anything else than what you already have. You need a little bit of intentionality. You need to trust the Holy Spirit. This is not a guarantee. We can't like you know, manufacture perfect little disciples, but we can absolutely partner with God in this. So Mm -hmm. in terms of partnership between um, parents, so in two parent households, um, this is not something that I get into in my book, but um, actually Don Everts has a book out um, right now that um, is uh, the spiritually vibrant home. And he talks about this. So according to a recent Barna study, 68% of Christian teens felt that the person who had the most spiritual impact on them was their mom, 68% of Christian teens. So for me, that's like great news because that totally goes with what I'm saying. Um, And uh, there's a great quote that I love from John Wesley, who said, I learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all the theologians of England. (laughs) It's like a famous quote. Um, So that's really great news, but it's not necessarily the best news for dads, right? Um, It was a much smaller percentage of Christian teenagers that listed their dad as the one who had the biggest influence on them spiritually. So the opportunity that I see in terms of partnership is really helping, um, again, in two parent households, helping parents to work together as a team um, 
And yeah, really in a way, I think there's an opportunity for dads um, specifically to kind of get in the game, not necessarily again with like expertise or anything crazy, but just with intentionality. Um, So yeah. So good. Beautiful. Fantastic. And I'll just say for listeners out there who love CBE and this podcast, um, pick up Sarah's book. It's a great resource. will be a great resource for you in terms of egalitarian parenting. Maybe we should come up with a term, Egala Parenting. Can we do that? <laughs> right. But we'll put a link in yep. the show notes. We'll put a link to the book in the show notes. Yeah. Sure. Um, Sarah, we'll ask you the question we try to ask all of our guests on the way out, which is, if you could get a magic wand, it can change anything mm. about the church. Um, what are your dreams for women and men working together in ministry partnership in the church, the Big C Church? Yeah. Um, I guess um, if I were to think about that it would be it really for me and again my little corner of the world is our corner of the church is kind of church plantings where I hang out a lot um I would love to see um mixed gender partnerships become more normative I would love to see more women in those leadership spaces to the point that when a woman pastor attends a conference with or sits next to you at dinner with or leads alongside a male colleague that when that Plinko game happens, right, that that little Plinko chip, the path of least resistance would be this woman is a pastor. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that would be my, my dream is that walking into a room, I would be confident that I don't have to have somebody else sort of introduce me as Pastor Sarah for me to feel confident that the people in this room expect that I might be a leader in my own right. Um, And I think that that will change. Um, It's funny, Sheryl Sandberg talks about this a little bit in Lean In. It's kind of a numbers game in a way, right? I think that will change when there are more women in those roles. Again, my experience in InterVarsity where there were women everywhere leading, I never had that issue. And so I do think um, in this particular place, I think, yeah, seeing more men and women leading alongside each other and that just being normal. May it be so. Yeah. Um, so if folks want to connect with you on social media, email, where can they, where is the best place they can find more of you? Yeah. Um, well, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Sarah Callen Johnson. I'm not on Twitter. Well, I am, but you won't <laughs> find anything interesting there. <laughs> um, but then my website is sarahcowanjohnson.com. And there's a lot of information there, including a link to where you can get my book. Awesome. And your book comes out in? It comes out November? next week. Next August week. 2nd. Okay. Yes. So next when week. this episode goes live, the, the, live, yes. the book will be You available. can get the book. Amazing. Yes. So great. Awesome. Well, happy pre-book launch. And thank Sarah, you. thank you so much for being a part of this Sarah. with us. Yeah. Thanks for the good work you're doing. It's so important. So Appreciate it. thank you. Rob, that was such a great conversation with Sarah. What did you hear? What's staying with you from that conversation? Well, it was a great conversation for sure. It started with Mulder and Scully and it got better from there. <laughs> got better. Right. Um, I, I think the thing that I'm going to take away is her story that she told about being on the train with her, her pastor and uh, with Andrew and with another leader. And just the importance of that moment of saying, this is what's real in this partnership. and mm-hmm them asking questions, engaging well with her, listening well, and then kind of how that conversation becomes a cornerstone that they can build on in their partnership. So I think about that, like, are there conversations that I've been avoiding or 
mm-hmm. listeners maybe have been avoiding that that we need to have so that yeah. we can unlock the potential that's built into men and women working together. So that's a yeah. thought for me. How about for you, Lai? That's so good. Yes. For me, thinking about her experience around the posting that didn't include her title of pastor and why that impacted her coming off of her just sharing about time after time after time of stepping into these mixed gender, stepping into these um, places where her identity as a pastor and as a woman wasn't recognized and just constantly being confused as someone's wife. And um, yeah, I think as she talked about confronting her, confronting Andrew, the other leader and him kind of pushing back and saying like, for him, it was an issue of like formal versus informal you know, we are an informal community. We don't do titles, yada, yada, but how important that was not because it was about her, but actually about how, how common her experience of being invisible has been that that title represents being seen and being validated in her calling. And I guess my tip for leaders out there listening today is if you are a male leader working with other women there is power in advocating for them being seen mm-hmm. and being able to honor their title, their calling, and all of that um, is just really powerful. And I think that's staying with me. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Follow Christians for Biblical Equality on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date info and content. You can leave us a rating or a review on whatever podcast platform you use. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. I'm Lila Van Gerben and my, with my co-host, Rob Dixon, we'd like to thank our guest, Sarah Cowan Johnson, and our talented editor, Landon Hook, as well as Christians for Biblical Equality. Be sure to listen to our other episodes with our team of co-hosts coming to your devices every week. We are the Mutuality Matters Podcast. Thanks for listening. Looking for more information about CBE and our mission for biblical equality? then please visit cbeinternational.org for more information. And please be sure to tune in each week for new episodes here or wherever else you listen to podcasts.